This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. First up this hour, how to improve the teacher recruitment process. Yeah, this comes uh, out the back of a trial that's ongoing in the High Court. Uh, former teacher named Maud Jainal Jamrin, also known as Sir JJ. Uh, he's being sued um, by his former student of SMK Tawan Gusi in Kota Balut, uh, who filed a suit on October the 30th uh, in 2018, actually, against him for allegedly skipping classes for seven months. Now, City has named uh, the teacher, uh, Sir JJ, as well as uh, the principal of the school and the Kota Balut District Education Officer, the Sabah Education Director, DG of Education, Minister of Education, the Governor of just about everybody. Basically at all levels, right? right. And sort of to make a point, this is not something that's just personal to her. It's about a systemic problem, at least in uh, that's rife apparently in some parts of the country. So we did cover this uh, in more detail earlier on this week. The trial uh, will uh, continue on the 16th of August. Uh, but we thought we'd close off that conversation today by looking at a key part of this entire process, right? How do teachers... Um, become hired in the first place? How do they end up as teachers? And what needs to happen in that hiring process to ensure that we are attracting the best talent to avoid situations like these arising? And also, it's something that we talked about this week as well, Shamila, which is, which is the fact that anybody in any profession maybe suffers burnout or they lose their sense of purpose, uh, they get sidetracked by other concerns, domestic or professional, that they might have outside school, um, and then they neglect neglect their professional duties within the school and uh, towards their primary stakeholders, students, right? Their kids. And so uh, how do we find a way of bringing, back, bringing them back on track and, uh, and getting them to remember, uh, you know, they're better angels and contribute to the, uh, the development of their children? Because I don't think anyone would deny that being a teacher is an incredibly important profession. And tough. It's yes, tough. Yes. So I, Can you imagine 30 young people that whose 30, minds go... 30, in I think, in many uh, government schools might be less than you think. Because most schools, many classes in government systems these days are... 40 students, 45. Um, So we are going to talk today uh, about the recruitment process when it comes to teachers, um, what goes into it, but also how it can be done better. We'd like to hear from you. Have you ever thought about being a teacher? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Begin fun moments. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. It is 5.12. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. And today we're talking about how to recruit better talent into the teaching profession. Um, and this is coming on the wake of a, a case that is currently ongoing where a student is suing a teacher among um, other people within the education system for being absent for seven months. Um, and so we are asking you, have you ever thought about being a teacher? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Now joining us on the line is Mohammad Hafiz Nordin from Teach for Malaysia. Hafiz, thanks for joining us today. 
Hi, yes. So in this case, of course, uh, Siti Nafira, the former student, has chosen to sue not just the teacher, but the mm-hmm. chain of command that leads up to the government. Why is this important in your opinion? What issues do you hope this sort of action will bring into the spotlight? Yeah, uh, first of all, I think uh, we are all quite surprised with, with the action that uh, that was taken by Siti Nafira, uh, which includes in, in the litigation, uh, even the Ministry of Education as well. Uh, but I think uh, it is not a, a new issue that has been happening in the, the landscape of the, our education system. Uh, it is quite important because uh, this, this issue can definitely bring up students' voice, uh, where we want to move towards uh, a nation that keeps, uh, that have students to keep us teachers, uh, adults accountable. Um, and it's, it is because it's very important that uh, we are responsible for their growth and development and um, to have uh, absenteeism rate at a very high um, high rate in, in uh, several places in, in Malaysia, several schools in Malaysia is quite alarming. So I think this issue uh, is also uh, as, as what the, the former student is trying to champion through the other guru campaign, uh, the the, it is an ecosystem and systemic problem, uh, particularly in the governance of uh, teachers and school administration. So uh, I think largely, uh, in, in short, you know, to just give light in, in the governance of uh, school administration and, and teachers' absenteeism that has been happening uh, years year on year. So, yeah. Maybe we could drill down a little bit about the, you know, the question of why the suit not only names the teacher, but all those other individuals. Is it because there the failure is not obviously absentism, but a failure to monitor, to hold accountable, to be responsive? What is the ecosystem that keeps a teacher on track? Yeah, because uh, the I think it is, and I do understand why uh, the, the student involves the other uh, stakeholders in this in this legal suit. Because, uh, as you mentioned, the the ecosystem is is larger than the it, between the student and the teacher itself. Um, if the the teacher is absent, then uh, the principal or the group non kanan should be notified. And then a warning letter after a certain number of days uh, will be given to the teacher. Uh, but not only that, it doesn't stop there. Uh, it will go up to uh, if a district level officer and a, a state level officer of education happens to be there uh, and, and patrolling in the school and the, the teacher is not a primary teacher or guru tetap is not present in the classroom, then uh, a tindakan or uh, an action will be taken towards the teacher. Uh, it doesn't stop there at, at state level as well. This is also an issue that Bahagian Pengurusan Sekolah Harian, which is day school uh, administration in federal level, and also uh, EPRD are looking in, uh, which sits under the Ministry of Education, look into this matter very closely. Uh, so it is a chain of, of effects. Uh, and, and, and if one school, you know, if, if this issue happens in one school, it definitely has a ripple effect in, in the bigger ecosystem. So I think this is the act, the action of uh, bringing other parties or stakeholders or other names into the legal suit is trying to um, 
give a wake up call or, or, or raise awareness about, you know, it is a, a systemic issue um, on its own. So let's take a few steps back, in fact, all the way to the beginning of when uh, someone becomes a teacher, right? Tell us about the sort of candidates who tend to apply for teaching positions. The candidates who tend to apply for teaching positions is, I would say, very, uh, it's, it's a good mixture. Um, there are teachers who, there are candidates who have um, background in education, who have studied a uh, degree in education, uh, and there are stud- uh, candidates who do not have any uh, or, or non-education background, um, and that's that's on the credential side. Uh, on the other intangible or uh, more qualitative side of things, there are candidates who are extremely passionate to be teachers, uh, who have dreamed teachers to be teachers since they're young. There are te- there are still until today candidates who um, made teaching positions or teaching career as one of, one of the their last resorts um, so we have a we have a few you know uh, mixture of, of choices or of candidates so and all of them apply to be to be teachers and I think this this is uh, the the mix of candidates that we have in our uh, teaching pipeline. Okay. Yeah, so that's the the people who want to be teachers. What about the system itself? When uh, when looking and you know, driven by maybe policy considerations or their priorities in terms of how they envisage uh, education to be, what are they looking for? Are they looking for scholastic achievement, academic achievement? Are they looking for aptitude, uh, and so on and so forth? Yeah, so there is. Uh the set of uh, requirements that they have uh, KPM or Ministry of Education have put forward to, uh, which which includes academic uh, results and also physical tests, uh, just like um, and and also personality test to be before before you uh, pass on to be a teacher. Um, but I think here here in TFM is is uh, as we as we select our teachers, one thing that we definitely. Uh, emphasized is a holistic selection criteria that goes beyond academic qualifications. Uh, this is something, and, and why why do we have this? Is because uh, we think that this is something um, that may be lacking in uh, the current teaching, <clears throat> the current teacher selection process uh, that exists in the in the ministry. So then, if we go back to the government process, are there elements that you think need to be reconsidered when it comes to recruiting teachers? Um, yes, at, at, to some extent. Um, I think the 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 current uh, to Sharad's question earlier, the, the current the current way of of uh, vetting through teachers uh, focus a lot more on pedagogical aspects, ranging ranging from you know how how does the candidate um, deliver uh, deliver lessons in classroom, how do they understand syllabus and and very examination space. Uh, um, how do you handle a class or classroom management? But uh, I think what's also needed is their development around their core values as teachers. I think uh, MOE today uh, under the YB Fatlina has a has a terminology that says karamah insania, which means that uh, the core value or the spirit or soul of a teacher is is extremely important. Because this is the the grit, or you know, this 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 determines your grit and resilience to stay uh, to be a teacher uh, for the long run. And 
you know, issues like teacher absenteeism wouldn't wouldn't have happened uh, if you have these these values. So yeah, so the, uh, that's interesting that she's focused on values. Maybe you know, and uh, we might frame it as professional values as well. But what about those things that drive teachers, um, grind them down? You know, the we've heard uh, people talk about uh, the unnecessary amounts of administrative work that teachers have to shoulder. Um, what's really potentially driving teachers off the track? I mean, without regard, with, without regard to this particular case, what could mm. be happening within the ecosystem that teachers operate that could rob them, even if they have these values, rob them of motivation? Yeah, I think you've mentioned one of the key points, Sharad. The, the the amount of workload um, like to administration administrative work um, and dealing with these systems updating student uh, scores or you know grading results into the database um, if not monthly weekly daily um, uh, and and quarterly right so so this definitely takes up a lot of uh, the the teachers time from teaching actually teaching in the classroom and I think uh, one of the uh, studies done last year uh, shown that the one of the main contributing factor of the early retirement of teachers and then uh, this huge teacher shortage is due to the amount of administrative and uh, non-pedagogical uh, work that the, the teacher has to do. Um, and, and that also um, is, is uh, supplemented by uh, the other KPIs that they have to fulfill on top of um, this, the student outcome or the student growth that they are uh, responsible to. So actually, there's a lot of things being put on on teachers' plate, um, which I you know I'm not surprised why there are a lot of uh, high turnover in, in the teaching pipeline. So when we talk about motivation, how much of this question of uh, motivation or, or lack of motivation is tied to issues of uh, remuneration and benefits? Um, yeah, uh, from a study that that, uh, that that was performed, I think the past five years, I think we've we've gathered that uh, actually remuneration and uh, and salary of our teachers in, in our public schools are, are pretty competitive. It is not uh, one of the lowest in which um, we can take Southeast Asia region. Um, so, it the problem is not solely on you know uh, lack of uh, competitive salary to attract more teachers. Uh, rather, the the whole ecosystem um, because you know. Salary is always the, the first point of scrutiny. Um, but I think the, the study that I mentioned earlier, the teachers' annual earnings in Malaysia are comparable to other public sector and even private professional jobs uh, in the country. A lot of uh, Malaysians, at least, are still wanting to become teachers. Uh, but the problem is when they are, they, they have signed up to be a teacher and then, uh, yeah, the sustainability of their job and, and the well-being uh, of day-to-day -day work that they have to go through, uh, this is this is the the limiting factor that they are facing. So, salary, I think salary and you know remuneration and benefits, it's, it's there. I think the government have invested quite a lot 
uh, is this the, the other uh, the other factors um, like you know amount of workload and amount of reporting and KPIs and uh, really focusing on the the highly highly critical things uh, is is the the problem that that they are facing uh, instead of remuneration. Okay, but but Hafiz, okay, so we'll put that aside. But do you think? I mean, looking at the ministry's uh, outlook, do you think? Um, and it, TFM is interesting because it's a kind of a parallel, uh, you know, uh, route into the teaching profession in Malaysia. What needs to happen in terms of how, how we think about teaching? I mean, is this a place where we say the best minds have to get into teaching in Malaysia? We, as we, we talk about in science and in industry, we're always talking about we need the best minds. But is that true of teaching? And if it isn't and you think it's desirable to have the best minds, what will need to happen for us to get the best people into teaching? I think the, as what I've shared earlier, yes, it's definitely a great help and a great thing to have if we have the creme de la creme or best minds uh, to join the teaching profession uh, but you know looking at the other other professions out there as well in the country uh, it wouldn't make sense to have you know the the best uh, talents into the teaching profession and that to some extent wouldn't be the magic wand that will solve our education ecosystem or education um, educational issues or the fundamental of our education issues. Uh, and so that's, that's number one. And number two is <clears throat> what we really emphasize uh, in our organization is, uh, is implementing a, a holistic selection and training criteria, training to be a leader, training not to be, uh, doesn't stop as you being a, a leader in your classroom. How do you lead yourself? How do you lead others? And how do you lead the nation? Um, and and this is this is the criteria and element that goes beyond academic qualifications, that looks beyond your examination result, and and your your you know degree or uh, diploma requirements, uh, and <clears throat> making learning um, and teaching uh, an, an enjoyable experience. So this is what we we make sure that all of our fellows, uh, our teachers uh, have in, in, in their heart and, and soul whenever they, they work. Um, and it's also, uh, it's also evident in top performing education systems like in Finland, China, and Singapore, where moral motivation for joining the profession, the candidates are assessed for quality such as uh, how deep your passion is for teaching and what is the level of commitments uh, of your, yourself to, to students and student learning? Yeah. So are you student-centered and asking the questions of, you know, what, what are the uh, innovative ways that you can come up to, to deliver, a, uh, deliver a subject? Yeah. So it's not just restricted to uh, a very rigid uh, way of teaching. So these are some of the models that, that we have uh, in, in Teach for Malaysia that we apply. Hafiz, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you. That was Mohammad Hafiz Nordin from Teach for Malaysia, uh, helping us understand how the teacher recruitment process works, what are some gaps that should be addressed. Keep your thoughts coming, though. What we're asking you is whether you've ever thought about being a teacher. Uh, 
You can call 777-332-900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back after this for your messages. So keep it here on the Evening Edition, BFM 89.9. Behind Famous Men, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.38. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. And we've been talking about improving teacher recruitment processes, essentially attracting the best talent into the field. So uh, we've been asking you whether you've ever thought about being a teacher. You can call 777 send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. We do have a message from MZ who says, I haven't. My seven-year-old though says she aspires to be a teacher. Personally, I would support this. Say what you like. Teachers are like parents and they are very important to our children's development. Although I had many strict teachers, they were instrumental in shaping me to be who I am today. I do feel, however, that parents these days give too much pressure to teachers. What happened to teachers carrying a cane and the real threat of kanasabat in public? The problem with society these days is that teachers don't do this anymore. Ooh, MZ, I have thoughts. I agree about. I, I agree with about half of what you're saying. But, Sharad? Well, I think what we need to do is kind of step back from the... The, uh, the liberal recoil from uh, anybody who would suggest that corporal punishment in any way should return or it was in fact a good thing even in the past, right? Uh, but uh, MZ, you know, what you say about, uh, you know, feeling that you you benefited from that, uh, that, and I've heard it over and over again, how people feel they benefit. So something is going on there that can't be dismissed as somehow mistaken or out of step with the times. I think we need to recognize that... Uh, the, the issue is here is about discipline, but how do you create a person who recognizes their own boundaries, right? Who needs, who knows when to act on their impulses and when to suppress them in order to benefit the larger community. In, in the case of children, it's the classroom. How not to be disruptive. All these things matter, right? In some, and it's a tricky situation. When you take away the cane, I think right, rightly take away the cane. What are you left with in order to, especially for very young children, how do you make them fit into society? Actually, the the key. Uh, the key there is actually uh, what MZ says, teachers are like parents. Um, and, and while I, I, I don't think that's the neatest way to say that, that everything that a teacher does is the same thing that a parent might do, I do think that the weight of the responsibility, the time spent with children every day, um, the expectation that they shape children to become a particular kind of adult, all of those are certainly expectations that many of us have of teachers. Um, and so your point about what is it that we expect them to do? How do we expect them to carry out those duties? Um, is really important to talk about. I agree that um, this is something that we should be paying a lot more attention to. Um, I love that MZ's daughter wants to be a teacher. Um, I think it's something that many children feel at an early age. And then as you become more practical and you actually learn about how difficult being a teacher can be. Um, and then you hear, frankly, some awful stories about what it might be like to work in the profession. I think it kind of gets 
beaten out of you, and that's a little sad. Beaten? Did not mean to make that pun. But we okay, can move so past this is, it. So this, I mean, we can maybe move on from the corporal punishment argument uh, because it's a complex one, and you know, maybe we should have some people, you know, experts, whatever, talk about it. Experts being te- uh, parents, huh? Because they're the real experts. As a childless person myself, what can I say is. Um, yeah, being a uh, being a parent is very difficult. So I'm not going to um, opine on that. I do think that you know the the thing about the classroom is it is complicated. When children are inspired to be teachers, it's probably because they're one of the first few um, professions that they encounter in their lives. They would have encountered a doctor or a vet. I I don't know how many children want to be vets uh, when they're very young. Uh, teachers are another profession. Maybe they watch on television or other professions. Pilots, if they've been on, a, on an airplane, they probably would just want to be a pilot. I think a lot of young people want to be pilots. But whatever it is, um, the you know... Children's aspirations aside, what do you as an adult coming out of the education system want to do with your life? And do you consider teaching a place where you can flourish? Right. So LJ says a big issue, which I'm not sure where to begin, is the expectation uh, of teacher quality and the reward is kind of imbalanced. In order to be qualified, a teacher needs to attend courses to get certified. If you take a fresh PhD holder, a public university lecturer will be ranked DG51. Salaries around 5,000 ringgit plus plus, excluding allowances. I can't imagine the salary for a primary or secondary school teacher. Who would be motivated to be a teacher? Now, LJ, um, just to say, though, if you didn't catch our interview earlier, our guest did say that um, according to a study, uh, salary isn't really the sticking point for a lot of teachers in terms of why they're not um, necessarily satisfied or motivated to stay in the job. In fact, it seems as if the push factor, i.e. pushing them out of the profession, is more the burden of the administrative tasks and um, the lots of menial things that comes in while being a teacher. But I do think that the point about... um, all of the things we expect from them and then how much we pay them is something worth talking about. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, the question is, how important is the teaching sector, the education sector for the life of the nation? And if we think of it as essential because it's creating citizens, but it's also creating uh, workers, it's creating a whole range. It, it has to be involved in getting skills up to par in order to fit in. If we, if we have all these industrial visions of being an industrialized nation, so and so forth. How do you get it? Education is so important. So the question, you know, that we put to Hafiz earlier, like, you know, do we think this is a sector in which the best brains have to be? That We want every school to think strategically about how they get the best of their, uh, of their students and build those very strong foundations. Well, you know, Sharad, best brain is also subjective, no? Absolutely. I not, not saying, a, I'm yeah. not saying, you know, three triple A's right. or, or so, five so or six. So if we're talking about EQ as much as we're talking about grades, Indeed. then I agree. Um, Lok is saying, when a child does well, my child is so smart. When a child does badly, the teacher is no good. Yeah, you know, and there are all these expressions also. I mean, it used to be that teachers could do no wrong. Mm. And then because you opens it, you know, the situation up to abuse. But those maybe, in fact, in the minority, in the main... Teachers were once respected as being so important to the development of modern societies. We have a voice note that's just come in. This is from Johnny. Hello, VFM. I was fortunate enough to study in England 
while in my 30s, that was about 30 years ago in computer engineering. I'm aware that many of the lecturers there are experienced engineers, so they can explain the practical aspect not only on the theory. So I hope one day we're able to apply that system in Malaysia so we can enhance the lecturing system right here. Thank you. Johnny, thank you for that. Um, so that's uh, actually, that's an interesting point that has come up before to uh, bring in experts of industry, uh, not just in the tertiary education system, but into even the school system. Uh, maybe not at the primary level, but at the secondary level to kind of steer students towards um, specific career experiences. Yeah, actually, I, 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 you know, personally, I don't see why um, it can't be done at the primary school level because... Because children are so uh, in, not just impressionable. I mean, they're, they're like a sponge for knowledge and I experience. I think doing right? it at the primary school level would be very cool. As long as it's tooled I mean, towards things that are fun for like them. imagine if a pilot came to mm-hmm. your school and told you about flying, you know, or, or whatever. I mean, but the thing that a pilot or a visitor can't do is to do what teachers do. They, they usher you through the year, getting you to achieve some objectives in terms of, you know, the the curriculum, and so on and so forth. So that's a different thing. But would engineers maybe later in their lives join the uh, teaching profession? Right, Um, to to sort of be someone who's been in the industry and then is now coming in to be not a lecturer, but a teacher. A teacher, yeah. yeah. I think it's an interesting prospect. Would you be a teacher, Shama? Um, I actually love working with young people. I don't think I would be able to work within the current system we have here. Um, but otherwise, I think if there was a possibility, I would be very happy to be. Would well, you? No. So I don't love young people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, what, I, what I do love is teaching, though. You know, it's so, uh, so it's this very strange situation where I would love to teach without having young people. No, the, 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 I, I hate marking, I must say, because I have been a teacher. You see, I have taught. Yes. Um, but, uh, and I must say to the young people who I taught out, who are listening to this, I love you. I just didn't love the rest of the young people. Well, you're not alone, Sharad. Mizi says, as a baby boomer, I had written down teacher as my ambition when I was asked in primary school. It was a popular choice at that time. But when I realized that I lacked patience coupled with a short fuse, I changed it to being a nurse and then a florist by the time I reached standard six. But I ended up being a debt collector for more than 20 years now. I'm sure a lot of people will agree that teaching was not my calling. Oh, but the lack of patience suits the debt collecting. <laughs> I'm not sure. Maybe, yeah, maybe a fiery you, debt, debt collector. No, I mean, that's what a debt collector does. You miss the deadline on paying back. You go to the house, you spray red paint on the, on the okay, door. Okay, no, I don't think, Mizi, I don't think you're that kind of debt collector. Anyway, keep your thoughts coming. Uh, you can call us. You can send us a voice note. You can WhatsApp us. You can tweet us. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.